Amen. We are standing on holy ground, and I know that there are angels all It's a very apt song to bring tonight just before I come around this very short word. If you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, please? <clears throat> Exodus chapter 3. We're going to read the first six verses. <clears throat> now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called on to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And we know the Lord will add a blessing to the reading of his word. You know, here we have this well-known story of, of Moses and the burning bush. Moses once a prince. He was once a prince in, in Pharaoh's court. Is now a shepherd. He's now a shepherd in, in the backside of a, of a wilderness Tending the flock of Jethro, 
his father-in-law. And friends, if I may say, what a come down. What a come down for a man who probably had the world at his feet. He probably had everything that life could ever ask for. But now he's in the wilderness. He's in the wilderness looking after a few sheep. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the thoughts that must have been through his mind? What, what am I doing here? What, what am I doing in the middle, middle of this wilderness? What am I doing looking after sheep? I should be living it up in my royal palace. I should have servants attending to me. And you can picture Moses walking about that wilderness, talking to himself and chastising himself. But you know, friends, this was necessary preparation. For what God was going to do in and through this man. 40 years of brokenness. 40 years of brokenness of humility and solitude. In the back end of a wilderness with God. You know many a man would run away. At the thought of spending 40 years. In a wilderness is that not true? But you know, friends, this is the best spiritual education any man could get. You know, one commentator said, the learning of Egypt was not sufficient to equip Moses for his life work, no. But he's taken to the solitude of a wilderness and in brokenness and in humility, he meets with God. He meets with God. Friends, what a lesson. What a lesson for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to learn today. You know, friends, it's never too late. It's never too late to learn the lesson of brokenness and humility, especially whenever you go through a wilderness. You know, all who have done the greatest work for God have graduated, friends. They have graduated in the wilderness of brokenness and humility. Elijah was in the wilderness at Horeb. Ezekiel was in the wilderness of Chebar. Paul was in the wilderness of, of, of Arabia. And John was in the wilderness of Patmos. That's where God taught them. And that's where God met with them. Friends, thank God for your schools of theology and your schools of learning. But nothing will ever compare to that wilderness where you've got nothing. Where you've got nothing or no one to look to or nothing to cling to but him. But him. And in your humility and in your brokenness, the master comes. The master comes and he ministers to you. Psalm 51 and 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart thou wilt not despise. And Isaiah 57 and 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Moses submitted his whole being to God. He submitted his whole life, his whole being to God. And when God saw it, then God revealed himself to him. And he spoke to him. He spoke to him out of the midst 
of a burning bush. And God said to him, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes. Moses, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. God told Moses to take his shoes off. Strange thing to say, isn't it? He told Moses to take his shoes off because the place where he was standing was holy. It was holy ground. You know, it doesn't say it in the word of God, but I believe Moses took his shoes off immediately. When he heard the voice of God, I believe he took his shoes off, his sandals off immediately. He obeyed the word of God. He had a holy fear and reverence of God. He didn't debate with God. He didn't argue with God. But he removed his shoes immediately. You know, the putting of the shoes was then to what the, the putting off the hat is now. It's a token of respect. And it's a token of submission. A token of respect and a token of submission. You know, whenever you go to some of these far eastern countries, and Timothy, you've been there, and Trevor and myself and other ones, but whenever you go to some of these far eastern countries, sometimes you're told to take off your shoes before you enter into their homes. Why? Well, because if they say that that you're walking all the dirt and all the pollutions of this world into their house. It's a sign of respect and honor. But friends, if, if, I could, if I could spiritualize this, if I could put this in a spiritual context, you know, when we come into the, the presence of God, do we remove our shoes? Do we remove our shoes spiritually? Or do we just plod on in with all the pollutions and all the dirt of this world stuck around our shoes because we've been walking in sin? And, and what do I mean by that? I mean... Is there bitterness? Is there hatred? Is there jealousy? Is there unforgiveness? Is there stubbornness or anger or pride? Is it, is it cleaving to us? Is it cleaving to us? And we refuse to remove them, but still we expect God to speak to us. And to answer our prayers, friends, respectfully, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen unless we remove our shoes spiritually. You get what I'm saying here? It's not going to happen unless we remove our shoes spiritually. Unless we remove those things that are offensive to a holy God. You know, we can say and do all the right things. 
We can go to church three nights a week. We can come in and shout and praise God and clap our hands and, and sing and shout hallelujah. But friends, if there's hidden sin, if there's hidden sin within, if there's resentment, if there's bitterness, if there's wrong attitudes or pride, then friends, our prayers are going no higher than that ceiling. Believe me. They're going no higher than that ceiling. If there's no obedience to his word and his ways, then friends, we're just a clanging symbol. We're just a clanging. We're just a, a, a gong, a sounding brass, nothing. We're just making a noise, but having no real impact on a lost world out there. You know, the Bible says that those who name the Lord Jesus Christ must depart from iniquity. We must depart from iniquity. Moses obeyed God and he removed his shoes and God put his power within him. You know, the story is told of, of Duncan Campbell when he went to the Hebrides to, to hold a revival. It says that he was wearing brown shoes. He was wearing a pair of brown shoes. I don't know what they were like, but it says that he was wearing a pair of brown shoes. But the people in the Hebrides felt that brown shoes were too showy. They only wore black shoes. But when Duncan Campbell found this out, he went and changed his shoes immediately in order not to offend. Friends, I'm so glad that he did. That singular decision helped set the stage for one of the greatest revivals to ever hit the earth. Thousands were saved. We all know about it. We've all read about it. But thousands were saved through that revival. You know, friends, it makes me ask myself, what am I willing to give up? What am I willing to put off? What am I willing to put off and submit to in order to see revival? Would I give up my brown shoes? I sure hope so. Duncan Campbell done everything in his power as not to offend the people of the Hebrides. His heart was pure before God and his heart was pure before man. You know, I believe if it wasn't, then God would not have moved so powerfully through him. But thank God Duncan Campbell had discernment. Thank God that he was obedient. Thank God that he was sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. It might seem insignificant, insignificant to some people. Remove your shoes, brown to black. But friends, he didn't want to offend. He, did. he put off his shoes, his brown shoes, in order not to offend. Friends, I ask again, what are we willing to put off? 
What am I willing to put off in order not to offend? What are we willing to put off so that the Holy Spirit may have free reign in our lives, individually and collectively as a church? Moses stood on holy ground. He stood in awe and reverence before the one who communed with him. Tonight, friends, I believe we're standing on holy ground. We're standing on holy ground. But not only that, we're standing on redemption ground. We, we stand as the blood bought, the redeemed, the ransom of the Lord, purchased by the blood of Jesus, heirs of the king, clothed with rows of righteousness, filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Lord bids us, he bids you, he bids you, he bids you, he bids me to come, to come, my brother, come, my sister, and commune, and commune with me. He says, come, come boldly to my throne, for there you will find mercy and grace to help. And your hour of need. For in my presence there's fullness of joy. And at my right hand, he says, there are pleasures forevermore. You know, friends, as I lay, and I've told you this before, but as I lay in that recovery room after my operation, I didn't know that anything had happened. I, I knew nothing about it. But the one thing I really did know. I felt an overwhelming sense of God's presence flow right through me, right through me. Something that I had never known in my life before. It was filled with such a joy. The joy Timothy talked about on Sunday morning. It was filled with such a joy, such a peace and assurance, such a love and praise that I didn't want to leave that room. I didn't want to leave that recovery room. Friends, I believe for me, for me, that was spiritual revival. For me, that was spiritual revival. For the Almighty breathed life into this frail body. And you know something? He can do it again. He can do it tonight again. But the Almighty breathed life into this frail body and said, Live on, Stephen. Live on, Stephen. Friends, it's when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. You know, as we come to prayer tonight, let us put off. Let us put off those things that would so easily beset us and let us look to God. Let us look to God. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. No, there's many, many needs in this house tonight. Many serious, serious needs in this house tonight. But you know, friends, let's begin by telling them that we love them. Do you love them tonight? If you love them, then tell them. He wants to hear it. He wants to hear it from out of your mouth. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Friends, let us bombard the throne of God tonight. Let us put off the old and let us put on the new. Let us put on Christ. There's nothing else. There's nothing else I can offer you. There's nothing else Timothy can offer you. 
What we offer you, Christ. That's all we've got is Christ. Let us put on Christ tonight. Let us look to him tonight. Amen. Let's stand. Amen. Thank you, Lord.